1: Tonight, we got them. Goldie and the Salt. The disgusting disgusting,
2: disgusting, disgusting, disgusting,
3: disgusting, disgusting, And it starts right
2: now. Oh, yes. Week three, <laughs> sounding the alarm with Stu Bass, Stu Bass Brooks. Yes. Basie. Basie (laughs) Brooks and Patrick Stump. We love that theme song. We love that theme song. Uh, And welcome back to another episode of A Typical Disgusting Display, a podcast for writers, by writers who hate writing. Boy, do we ever. Now, Goldie, I wanted to to do something quickly up top here because I think you'll enjoy this. Uh, I won't. You may remember... (laughs) <laughs> excuse me, you won't. Yeah, excuse me. I have, uh, <clears throat> as I said in the room earlier today, vocal Glenn. There it is,
3: <clears throat> Glenn. Oh, like Fry.
2: Yeah, oh, wow. like Glenn okay.
1: Fry. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amusing, right?
2: Goldie's had to sit through that twice. Oh, by the way, Goldie, vocal, his, his, vocal his Glenn. Voice, Glenn ha-
1: his voice has an impacted anus. <laughs> first joke itself. of the day.
0: First joke of the day. Uh,
1: Goldie, vocal Glenn is uh, exactly up
2: your alley. So I like it. Pretend. Yeah, of course you um, But I wanted to circle back to something from a few weeks ago where we did uh, top five of um, top top 5 songs that might be the best song ever and it was basically yeah. an excuse to kind of like list out like our guilty pleasure kind of songs and and I thought the lists were really good except for you know Kokomo but um <laughs> so we had a lot of fun doing that but there was one glaring omission oh. from something that is certainly one of the greatest songs ever in terms of the mental space it occupies for me and I think for you too Goldie so I'm just going to I'm just going to lead you into it with this
1: <laughs> champions. <laughs> Fucking champions, champions, the champions, the the motherfucking champions, champions, (laughs) the (laughs) motherfucking champions. Uh, See, I knew it. And so, Goldie, tell tell the folks what song that is. Well, it's the uh, Crystal Light. Yep, aerobics championships from 1982. Wow, I think it's 88, but yes, <laughs> oh, wow. the, it yeah. the Feels 80s very hosted though. by Alan Thick and boy, he does some Johnny Joke stinkers. Because he does like a <laughs> monologue about aerobics to open the show, and he's like, you know, the the aerobics was originally discovered by the Greek god Aerobicus.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was one and of it, them. His, his, and and his friends, his friends, Gluteus and Maximus. No, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he's uh, my my favorite joke of that terrible monologue was like, and, of course, jogging was invented when man saw the first dinosaur, and sprinting was invented when dinosaurs <laughs> saw the first
1: man. <laughs> <laughs> and they cut to the you audience. You do a great you do a great Allen thick which is useless since he dropped dead on the ice. <laughs> oh
3: my god. <laughs> oh wait. He, goes. I know. He, <laughs> he
1: go. don't play hockey if you're older than 35. I know. That's just a good it's rule not worth it. <laughs> but I think I thought you're you not would... good. You no, know, you're not going to be good. There was Canadian. one Gordie Howe and everyone else is just a cardiac event waiting to happen. <laughs> Gordie Howe. <laughs> uh, but I knew you'd
2: recognize that tune, and it's funny because and it's I was endless. I, I, it's it is an American
1: Pie. It is. <laughs> oh, really? It's like
2: if you watch, if you Google uh, "disgusties" or if you YouTube Crystal Light Aerobics Championships 1988," it's about an eight or nine minute video, which I know by today's standards is like uh, you know Lawrence of Arabia, <laughs> but it's the the entire thing. Has that music running under it, so that's why it's bored. And he also introduces
1: from each state two aerobics performers. And I swear to God, out of the hundred of them, ninety-four have the most Italian names you've ever heard. Out of Philadelphia, Diana De Guacamole and Michael
0: Santucci.
1: <laughs> de I mean, they're so—it's so egregious. Like there, for some reason, they were just these coked-up Italian. Aerobics
0: <laughs> performers,
1: oh like in, in a specific year that, that you can nail down, it's 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 really remarkable.
2: <laughs> oh, I think <laughs> Danielle the Oh my God, you're right, you're right. It's it is an endless parade. You're right. Yeah. They, they okay. and and I love the detail, and I can't remember really any of them, but. They, he also lists the name of each gym yes. that they're representing. Oh, really? So who it's like, who cares? yeah, so it's sort of like for president and first lady in Houston. You know, like yeah. you're just listing all these gym names, and it's like, what the fuck? There used world- to be
1: so much time to fill right. prior to to cell phones. <laughs> It's like, just, just, we'll say their name and we'll say their gym and we'll say their city. We'll say their birthday. We'll, we'll, we'll say their address. Like, what, what am I going what am I sitting there with a notepad writing down, like, oh, they, they work out of the YMCA uh, to shoot? <laughs> I'll be sure to refer to that later in my, in one of my, my JC's cheese notebook of aerobics. I might have a journal on it. <laughs> and uh, the, the, and there are several
2: shots where, because, they do introduce everybody and then there are a few wide shots where everyone they've just introduced is dancing on stage and I swear it's like the Olympic opening ceremony from China like 10 years ago (laughs) it was like so many people (laughs) doing a perfect synchronization uh, aerobics dance yeah so that is worth watching we
1: should bring it back I know didn't Key and Peele they did a sketch on it as well oh really I think well, so, yeah. good
2: for them because it's yeah. got its great, great ma- source material there. Yeah. Boy, Goldie, still, still hot in L.A., but Oof. luckily uh, you have a little refreshment out back. Yeah. Right? Ooh, yeah. Nice. Um,
1: yeah. I have a pool. I've I've talked about that before. I don't feel like I'm bragging because right. it's like the the only good thing about me. <laughs> oh my la, God. La, la la dita. La, like if you could say what is the best thing about this person, it's that he has a pool. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> we wouldn't <laughs> say that. I you know, there's one week a year out here like this where it's. A Billion degrees, and yeah, and we're in it. I swear it's so funny how no one ever talks to me, no one ever texts me, no one checks in on me, no one cares, including myself. There's no interest in me, but like the hot week, I suddenly get people like, Hey man, how you doing? Because it's like they're, they, they're, they want a pool, invite. Oh, yeah. it's so yes. transparent. <laughs> God, I uh, I didn't even think of that. But Yeah, that like yeah. all of a sudden that like all these people are suddenly interested. Like it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. it has. <laughs> and it would have been forever. <laughs> had <laughs> it not been hot, I guess. So what uh, do you did it work? Did it work? Yeah. Did it work? Yeah. Well, I mean, I have I've had a few close friends over, but oh, like nice. no. The other ones I was telling my wife we should have them all over at once and that I would kind of go around and go like God, it's just crazy how when you have a pool, how many people like use you when it's hot. You know, uh, do, yes. And just sort of stand next to people and call them. You know, like like a, like a dark sort of indie movie where a guy just confronts everyone with their own yes. flaws. Yes. I, don't, I don't blame. It, but it's like, you know, where I where I younger, I might go like, oh, this is cool. Maybe I'll use this, to take advantage of social. And now it's like, no, you know what. You're you're not nice to me, right? Yeah. All year, we're not close. I, I don't want to provide you with any relief.
2: Uh, <laughs> that's a good system. To I don't want to be that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that that makes perfect sense to me. Um, yeah, because yeah. yeah. did you I, did you see this article? It was it's been in the news all week about these wealthy people who are building bunkers to survive. Yes. climate change. Yep, and that <laughs> the the main challenge. Is they need security, you know, because it's like people know there's a bunker there. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. you know, ideally you know, in 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 the billionaires' ideal vision of the future, we're all like totally irradiated and like all yeah. fucked up, and we we want their stuff. <laughs> like they're, like, were they're pounding stuff. on their yeah, door because they have all the stuff. And so <laughs> then there's this problem where they have to then hire a security force, right? right? A force. But, yeah. And then the next yeah. step in that, and where a lot of them are hitting a roadblock is well, how do I keep the security force from killing me? Right. Yeah. And just Ooh. taking the compound themselves. And so one yeah. of the solutions I was reading, and my pool situation reminded me of this a little bit. It's like people are just, hey, how do you keep them away? One of the solutions was... <laughs> One of the billionaires was like, well, maybe I could make the security all wear shock collars that I control. <laughs>
3: oh. oh, my oh, wow. God. Wow. That's, that's like
1: that's like uh, Silicon Valley's vision for our future, though. Jesus. <laughs> Why don't they just befriend them? Right. Well, and that's pay what ultimately they had to hire outside consultants to tell them. You know, actually, one of the greatest currencies is being well-liked, and they're, like, writing it down because they don't know that. In their notebook. And they're paying that person, you know, half a million dollars. Like, that's a good idea. I think I'll – I'm going to socialize with three people. I'm going to make a checklist, and I'm going to ask them each five questions. You know, it's like the Mark Zuckerberg uh, view of the yes. universe. Like, I will tell them if they're hot or not. I will rate them one to ten. I will have them on a list of friends. I will – Give them updates several times a day. I will meet them also in the metaverse. It's like no no one Uh, has any interest in me. Uh, (laughs) uh, Oh, my God. That's
2: funny. Yeah. That's a terrifying story. Yeah. Terrifying story. And it's it's funny. Another
1: story that – I mean, you're just not wealthy enough to be able to get one. That must kill you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Like you're going to be like the last – Kind of outside person to die who can't help, who can't save themselves.
2: <laughs> you might be right. I'll be throwing my last. Die- well, you know, by the way, Tall Tall can fight them all off. Tall Tall will either befriend them or you know bite their bite them in the neck right? on an artery, yeah. and then they'll they'll die. So I'm, I'm I feel safe with Tall protecting sure. me. Yes. Um. <laughs> so, yeah. You're like, see how that goes there was another uh this story uh, has kind of been floating around for a while but i saw another kind of reason for it to pop up again uh there's this thing like when bradley cooper you know is playing leonard bernstein in some uh biopic coming yeah. up and yeah. people were like upset like he's not jewish how can he do that right. and and i've heard this before and our and our friend uh sarah silverman whose podcast is awesome and she's yeah. really smart she talks about this a lot I've heard her you know say that she feels that you know why aren't Jewish parts going to Jewish actors and all this stuff so with that as context I saw this preview for this movie that's coming out called uh, Armageddon Time and it okay. seems to weirdly tie into our last thing oh. um, but it's basically a movie set I think in the early 80s in Brooklyn and it's about a Jewish family it's not about Armageddon Uh and I noticed all the actors in the family, it's like the mom is Anne Hathaway, oh. you know? And, I think and, she's
1: got to be like half Jewish, though,
4: I bet.
2: Well... I think what they did is they do that thing when 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 beautiful actresses play Jews, they kind of let them go pale and have their hair a little mussy. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, look, she's Jewish. Her hair isn't perfect. (laughs) And so then they have the sort of tragic son from succession. Jeremy Strong is the dad. He looks Jewish. I don't know if he is. Yeah, uh, but but he certainly looks the part. Yeah, um
1: this would be but, a good game show. Yeah. Right. Who's Jewish? Jewish or not. But <laughs> We're so down to final he, Jew.
3: Who the Jew? Right. <laughs> the final.
2: Here's,
1: here's the kicker. The grandfather
2: in this family uh-huh. is played by none other than Sir Anthony Hopkins. Oh, he's oh, yes. the wow. He's <laughs> the, the elder Jew <laughs> in this movie. In and so I'm being hit by in this preview, like actor after actor after actor, and I'm like, not Jewish, not Jewish. And oh my God, Anthony Hopkins. And I'm starting to think like, God, you know, maybe Sarah's right. This is weird. And then I watch the whole trailer. And by the end, I'm tearing up. Like Anthony Hopkins has totally got me. And I'm just like back to where I was at the beginning of this argument, which is I just want to see a good
1: movie and good actors. Like I don't really give a shit. Well, a lot of these things, first of all, I think I've heard one person in my life mention Leonard Bernstein before this moment. Like, <laughs> right, so don't right. act like you care about him <laughs> oh now. My God. There are no conversations going on about Leonard Bernstein anywhere. And so, the fact they're even doing a movie about this guy is—I I mean, it's a terrible business proposition. Like, it's—it's yeah. it's gonna bomb. But it's it's Oscar bait, clearly for for Bradley Cooper. I guess. I mean, sure. Yeah, but. Also, you know, with with all these arguments and and they they frame them as social justice things. It's like, yeah. mm-hmm. you give someone a role that helps one person, and a, and it's a person who deliberately entered into a profession where you're told going in like it's not going to work, you're going to yes. fail, and so then it's great you, you give it to a Jewish person, you're helping that one person, but that person is also just. Like us, doing it for probably egomaniacal, disgusting reasons (laughs) to be famous. Like, they're not doing it because they're like, and this is helping Jews everywhere. They're just like, I want to live in a mansion. (laughs) So (laughs) on the scale of social justice, I, I mean, it exists on it, but in terms of my personal concern, it's... Pretty far off my radar.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I I encourage you to watch the trailer and decide for yourself because at first, Anthony Hopkins seems like Father Christmas and like, what the fuck are you doing as a Jew? And then by the end, he's saying, like, come here, give me a hug. And I'm like, oh, God damn it, Anthony Hopkins, you got me.
5: (laughs) CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car.
0: Oh, burger
5: time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com
2: today. Anyway, some other fun things to look for, and something very not fun to listen for, is Johnny Jokes.
1: Right! steamy Burbank, here's Johnny's.
3: Ooh,
2: very Ooh. nice. You stayed within levels today and oh, Boy, years. did I struggle this week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, boy, this is a struggle. I, I don't even know now. Right now, I have no idea what I'm about to do. Uh, I know which one I was going to start with, and that's it. So here we go. <clears throat> Well, we have mentioned it earlier, the top story in Los Angeles continues to be the record heat. Yeah, uh, apparently it was so hot in L.A. this week that Chris Pine went to a Harry Styles concert just to get spit on. (laughs)
1: <laughs> there will be overlap. <laughs> uh, and here,
2: here's another one of your little themes. Uh, it was it was so hot in L.A. that uh, Army Hammer made a nice chilled girl show. Oh,
1: <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> <Awesome>.
2: Disgusting. <laughs> All right. Now time to move on to the terrible oh, rule right. of twos. The rule of twos. I know I couldn't think of a third. God damn it. You're hundred percent right. And for writers listening out there, it should always be three. And I failed at the three. <laughs> I gave up two thirds of the way through that proposition. That deal we made, I did not live up to it. Okay. Moving on. Leaving that in the rear view. Uh, several Ukrainian refugees have joined together to form a ballet troupe in an attempt to aid the war effort. Uh, of course, the United States uh, used a troupe of ballet dancers to great effect in the Battle of the Bulge. <laughs> hey, everyone. <laughs> hey, everyone. <laughs> All right. Here, here's some jokes where we had some people send jokes in this week. Yeah. And coincidentally, I had written almost the exact I, same joke. I jokes. have a
1: feeling I, I did as well. Oh, All right, okay. we're, we're
2: going we're gonna to give them credit for it, uh, maybe at the I end. I won't, because was
1: <laughs> mine was different enough. Okay. Oh, okay, I don't know if mine was. All right, a high-ranking executive from Bed Bath & Beyond jumped to his
2: death from a Manhattan high-rise balcony A spokesman for the company said it's all part of their plan to expand the Beyond Department. Mm.
1: (laughs) That's different from mine. That's all I Uh, care about. uh, Now I'm just uh, thinking about my jokes. The
2: the man leaves behind a wife, two children, and a dusty pile of oversized coupons. Uh, Again, the rule of twos. And we're moving on to the final one. (laughs) Hey, this one. Oh boy, Your I gotta, joke's melted. I, gotta, I have to wet my lips for this one. Oh, you see why. Uh, <laughs> a, a judge has ruled uh, that Elon Musk will be able to use whistleblower testimony in his lawsuit against Twitter. Uh, this is a bombshell, folks. Uh, legal experts believe the whistleblower
1: may say... I wish I recognized that. I'm sure it's funny.
2: <laughs> no, it's Peter and the wolf. It doesn't matter what it is. He's just whistling. And I needed to get my my lips wet and they were dry
1: by the end of the joke. The only dry lipped Jew in home. The only dry <laughs> not a dry eye or lip in the house. All right, well, all right, take this shit away. just seen the cow in front of me get electrocuted, I have a pretty good idea what's coming. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Boy, is it hot this week in Los Angeles. <laughs> Whoa. How hot was it? It's oh. so hot that liberal celebrities want to defund the sun. <laughs> it's so hot, oh, Harry what? Styles is sitting next to Chris Pine just for the cold shoulder. <laughs> it's so hot. That's three. 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 Bill Cosby was actually caught slipping ice into a woman's drink. <laughs> oh, oh wow. that's good. Oh, that last one was
2: great. Okay. Oh, Diana. I mean, aye, aye. Two Di- minutes before. Diana de Guacamo would love that one. <laughs> All right.
1: And here, here we go into the, the well-trod territory. A bed, bath, and beyond executive <laughs> leaped to his death from a tall building in New York City. Uh, no one knows why. But friends say he recently appeared twenty percent off. <laughs> That's good. That's great.
3: Great. Yeah. And
1: this this is sad see Giselle Bundchen and really? Tom Brady have had a rough patch, and the supermodel has moved out of their home. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, sources close to the couple are optimistic they can work it out since they both want the same thing. What's best for Tom Brady? <laughs> <laughs> And finally, Uh I could do this as a norm. Okay. It'd be funny. Yeah. (laughs) I think I'll do it as a norm. All right. As a norm. An OnlyFans model accused of murdering her boyfriend entered her plea today. Hot guilty.
2: (laughs) 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 I think I died on the fence so you could leap over my corpse, <laughs> yes. my smoldering corpse.
1: I, I, will, I wish I had like done a, a super size me style documentary of my vitals at the beginning of the week prior to writing those jokes in the end, because I, I think I've just 30% decomposed. Oh, no. To, <laughs> a little, to make those B minus
2: jokes. A little, uh, hey, those were B plus to A minus. We yeah, may round that's them up. Yeah, yeah. Those are, you know, so if you glen fried yourself this week,
0: <laughs>
2: oh, right. <laughs> I'm trying I'm to make it work. Coming back to that. <laughs> Uh, all right. So those were fun as usual yes. and terrible as always. Oh, Not uh, terrible! Yeah,
1: well, I, I want to
2: just before because we we
1: go into our topic. I we yeah. had forgotten to do this last week, and I I meant to do it. And, do it uh, now. I'm doing it. Oh, do yeah. it. When we had that uh very kind, disgusting had sent in an idea for the show Kokomo, and we really enjoyed talking yeah. about oh, it. Oh yeah. And so we want to solicit from the audience, the listening audience. If you have ideas for shows, premises of shows, and you want us to discuss them and tell you if there's anything there, we will do a segment called, Is There Something Here? Yes. Yes. And we'll, it's free. You can take the idea. You can, you can own it afterwards. Like we're not going to own the idea. And
2: and is there something here is different from is this anything? That's right. Just, okay, good. Oh, wow. very different. It, oh, so different. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how you could potentially. Sorry, I'm you. sorry. It's a little hot this week. Yeah. I'm, is I'm, this
1: anything is us bringing our ideas <laughs> to yes. each other yes. to make money, which, by the way, we should circle back and, and blow one of those out. Yeah. 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 Maybe yeah. do a little practice Is writing. there something here is where we take the <laughs> listeners' ideas. We don't necessarily blow them out. We just kind of. Toss them back and forth and say, yeah. like, toss them around.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. We give okay. 10 minutes of free writer's room time. Yes. I like that. I like yeah. that idea. Oh, and also I wanted to say, Oh, before, and our email is <laughs> a typical disgusting display at gmail.com.
2: That's yes. right. Send those ideas in so we won't have to do the work. Yes, that that's sounds right. good. And I wanted to circle back to the the bed, bath, and beyond jokes. Certainly my first one was very similar to one that somebody sent in. His name was Kevin... Wordleman. 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 So, Kevin Wordleman, you and I were both on the wrong track. And also, uh,
3: yeah. Jay, Jay Kogan also yes. sent
1: one in. So I, I know. Just Jay, so everyone Jay knows you're say. not very original. <laughs> That's right. take on this Bed, Bath, and Beyond thing. And, and, and by the way, being
2: unoriginal has gotten me very far. So, <laughs> Kevin, keep plugging away, and Jay and Kogan... I wanted to praise them, because originality is not important. <laughs> It doesn't matter. We have
3: proof, <laughs> living proof. That's right. And
2: Jay Kogan, thank you for sending that in the week after you were here. You are a true mensch. Yes. We had a lot of fun talking to you, and we yes. would love to talk to Arnie at some point. And we didn't even talk about Arnie Kogan was a big writer on Mad Magazine, which I yeah. would have oh, loved to have that.
1: talked about, but we didn't. So yeah. today, we're actually we gonna... doing a movie where he's played by Robert Redford. Really, oh, Robert Redford? No, these he's, prices? Oh. <laughs> he's Jewish. Come on. Oh right, there you <laughs> oh go. God. We're now taping the show at night, which I think everyone's—it's
2: sort of sundowning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've already eaten a large steak tonight in this hotel. So. Oh, I, I. Uh,
1: hotel. No. I ate dinner maybe. Very quickly, in two minutes before we went on, I crammed down just I did. anything in the fridge. I forgot. Oof.
3: I have like a piece of string cheese. I forgot oh. to eat it. Oh, oh put, so it so put, it, put it in your journal. Put it in your in the journal. journal. Yeah.
2: The string cheese. The string cheese. <laughs> yes, oh, it was wonderful. Uh, yeah. So uh, this week we have a guest on our show and I know ooh, you ooh, listening ooh. out there are thinking to yourselves, but Alec Goldie, JC, you didn't say last week you were going to have a guest. Well, we'll tell you, what, we'll give you a little look behind the curtain here of this podcast. So, we decided for whatever reason that this week we were going to try and do something a little different, which was make our NFL predictions for the season. And we were all gung ho about this. We all thought it was a fun idea. And then we went ahead and did it. And I think unanimously, we just sort of felt like we, we kind of laid an egg. And so we needed, it
1: sucked. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Thank you. Just flat out sucked. (laughs) Like we would just say, Hey, what do you think is going to happen? You know, in the AFC East, I like the bills. Yeah. I think the bills are good. Josh Allen's going to have a big season. I think so too. (laughs) Yeah. So we kind of loosely agreed about everything. And nothing, in terms of a conversation, like if you overheard this at a bar or on a plane or something, you would just move. Super boring. But also, I was so angry afterwards because it's, and we'll get into this with our guests today, but when you go into comedy, it's like you're not allowed to just have a conversation that's mundane. Like, we have to be funny. So it's like, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't have, you know, fucking... Tua Tagovailoa jokes (laughs) that are like lights out, but I mean, can't? Aren't we allowed ever to just exist? No. Like we constantly have to justify ourselves by like making people go ha 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 ha. (laughs) I'm going ha ha ha, so you're not worthless. Like that's (laughs) that's That's no way to live. But that's that's the path we've chosen. Right. I think that was the path we entered thinking that, like, this is not going to be that long a path. Right. Right. And then, you know, after 25 years of foraging and living off path berries, we're like, there was a way to just, you know, stick to that main road.
2: I know. I know. It's like we're running down that poltergeist hallway with the snap zoom, you know, that just keeps (laughs) getting longer in front of us and we can't get anywhere. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but yeah so we sucked at talking about the NFL. We didn't yeah, have any But zip- but
1: you suck Audience, for making us feel
0: bad about me, yes.
2: I know. For making us feel bad, because in our minds, you hated it, and that forced us yes. to change course. <laughs> yes. And, I, and I, by the way, I think we're right. I can hear David Goodman out there going, oh, "You're right. I
1: don't want to hear about that."
2: <laughs> David didn't want to hear our snappy jokes about the Arizona Cardinals.
1: No, any, they weren't snappy jokes. First of all,
2: no, there were no jokes. No, there were no. We didn't. We didn't have any snappy one-liners about the Arizona <laughs> Cardinals or anything no. like that. No, so we failed and but but out of this failure. Yeah. Out, like like a phoenix rising from our 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 ashes. We have what we think is going to be an awesome segment today and a great yes. guest. So mm-hmm. normally on this podcast you uh listen to our guests and we talk to people like this guy wrote for the Simpsons. This woman's running her own show. Yeah. These two wrote for Seinfeld. And it's all kind of a pat on the back session of like, well, when I, we <laughs> did it and this is where my house is and all that kind of bullshit. So we thought that it would be nice to have a different perspective on the writing industry. So we have today a uh, family guy, writer's assistant, Jordan Ramp is here with us. Yes. And we're going to talk to Jordan about his experience as as a writer who is coming up in the business, and let me say that again because he is coming up, and he yeah. will be a writer. You can mark that down. I have yeah. I have read this man's spec script, and I'll just go ahead and say it's the best spec script script I've ever read. I couldn't spit that out. Let me say well, that again. he already is a writer.
1: You're, he <laughs> yep. just isn't being compensated. Right. So that at the
2: I level think, of TV I think, writer. I think yet. he. So, I think yeah. he knew what 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 we meant there. But I, now what you meant. Yeah, okay. And, we, and, and again, listeners, we apologize that Goldie sounds like a garbled transmission from space.
1: He's oh, talking,
2: he's talking yeah. on his iPad. I just had to, I had to I... knock you down a peg after your crit- critique of my intro. But let me just say again, before I was rudely interrupted, that Jordan Ramp, this young man's spec script, is the best spec script I've ever read. And let me, let me give a little detail on that. Wow. It is not a comedy. And I, he wants to be a drama writer. Smart. And is smart. <laughs> absolutely smart. And this script that he wrote that is sort of like a kind of a neo-Western feel, it, it really brought to mind like No Country for Old Men and Cormac McCarthy. And I guess those are the same thing. But it was <laughs> just fantastic. I, I loved it. And w- we are so happy that he's here to talk to
4: us today. So Jordan, welcome to the
3: Yay. podcast. Yay, Jordan. Thank
4: you. Thank you, Alec. And I was so... Unsuspecting that you would ask me to be a guest, that when you called me yesterday, my first thought was that you were asking me to move something for you. <laughs> Which, let me say for the listeners, Alec has never asked me to perform a bit of manual labor, but just the way you set it up, the way that you 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 call me and we're like, "Are you available today or tomorrow?" It had the same intonations of of someone asking me to like move a dresser for them. It
3: kind of you, is. And like my that. thought,
4: I was thinking like. I, I don't know if I have time to move this man's personal.
1: (laughs) Well, by the way,
2: (laughs) if I needed something moved, you and Matt McElhaney would probably be my first call. Oh, I appreciate that. I could could see you guys hoisting a bureau up some steps. Very
3: easily, too.
4: Uh, I got my shoulders into frame. Yeah, there you go.
2: Um, So, Jordan, tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us where you grew up and how you came to Family Guy.
4: Yeah, so I'm from Sherwood, Oregon, and uh, I actually, I played sports growing up and wanted to be an author, and I went to high school with Travis Bowe's brother-in-law. Oh, wow. Or Travis and Bros. it's actually his stepbrothers, um, which, you know, I think everyone kind of has that story of having the most tenuous connection. You find an uncle <laughs> who has a son somewhere, and, <laughs> right. and that was kind of my my introduction. And he was, when I met him, he was actually a writer for The Cleveland Show, and I I so Had cool. in my mind that maybe writing was what I wanted to do, and then when I met Travis, like it sounded like they were just having a blast in the the Cleveland show writers room.
2: Goldie can confirm, and, uh, right? Oh yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, so you know, you go to school, and it, I think throughout college, I had I got a more joy of telling people that I was an aspiring writer than actually doing writing. I think I more enjoyed going <laughs> yes. to college and playing baseball and and drinking beer. But as always. I always had that in my mind that I was going to move to Los Angeles and pursue writing. And so after graduation, much to my parents, you know, trepidation, yeah. I, I worked for six months and moved out here literally having no plan. Wow. wow. I'd, I'd sort of, I'd kept in touch with Travis a little bit through the years, but, you know, there's this, this weird thing of, of being a PA or being a writer where it, it feels very exploitative. Um, and I didn't I never I was very uncomfortable with that part of it. Like I didn't want to reach out to write uh, Travis, you know, for and have him only think that, you know, this guy's pestering me because one day he's going to ask me to to send his resume. And well, that's everything. Although that's what you were doing.
2: Yeah, but but exactly. also, but also <laughs> uh, to your credit, this speaks to a couple of pieces of advice that Goldie has given out on this show repeatedly, which you did to the T without knowing it. Uh, which was move out to L.A. as soon as you can. So you did. Six months after college, you're out here. That's checkbox one. Yeah. Uh, the second thing, and I think, Oldie, that you had said this, is that people like to help young people. Mm-hmm. Yes. So when you're when you're out of college, when you're in your 20s, and you're looking for somebody's help, somebody like Travis, who, by the way, is, a, is an excellent writer on Family Guy, in case that, that wasn't said. So I'm sure Travis was happy to try and help you. And the fact that you're both Oregon boys, I know there's that weird kinship where people from Oregon think it's like the greatest thing in the world. And (laughs) and I I, I sort of question whether there are more than like five people living in Oregon because you you just never really meet them. But I guess you and Travis are two of the five. And so three hundred days of sunshine. That's right. They're very upfront (laughs) about that, but only in the uh, Eastern part of the state, as I understand. Yeah. Um, so then, so you kept in touch with Travis and is that how you got uh, your path to being a PA?
4: Yes. Yeah. I worked, you know, you, you just scrap for whatever dollars you can in order to pay rent that whole yep. time. And, 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 uh, I think eight months had passed. It seemed like a lot more time had passed. That's
3: a long uh, eight time. Eight years of, of
4: scrounging up rent. And, uh, I saw online that there was an opening, a family guy I knew that Travis, worked here. And it was, it was a type of thing where like, I think he was comfortable handing off my resume, but he was also, we didn't know each other well enough that he would like vouch for me and didn't want to be listed. And, and now that I've kind of uh, gone up the assistant ranks and people ask for help, like I understand that relationship perfectly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, was, he, was, he was kind enough to drop off my resume and came in for an interview. And, and so I started as a PA actually almost five years ago now.
2: Oh wow, Is that true?
4: Yeah, five years ago. I remember
2: COVID
1: happened, so it, everything. It's on those years don't count. Like you just kind of go. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, those are lost years for everyone, though. What the <laughs>
3: pandemic years?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just, that time was frozen.
3: It's crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Totally. That's, that's true.
2: And and so so you did this critical step, which a lot of people can't do. So you you got your foot in the door here at Family Guy by becoming a PA. Then there's a critical second step that some people don't realize, and and I. Suffered from this at at Saturday Night Live where I felt like I got my foot in the door. I'm here to stay, baby. I'm going to kick my feet up and, you know, lace my fingers behind my head like Ferris Bueller and everything's going to work out for me. But you were a great PA, very hardworking, just kind of did your job. There was no hint of a complaint or any kind of like, you know, wise assy kind of thing. And then so you parlayed that. Into becoming Rich Appel's assistant, right?
4: Right. Well, this this is kind of actually one of the questions I had for you guys is oh, good. when you're a PA or assistant of any level, I think you're wondering what you can do to set yourself apart. And the tenets that I had as a PA were to work hard and to not be annoying. Oh, and I think that's yes. great. That's huge. Yeah, which <laughs> I think but I think as a result of that, you sort of wonder like, Am I blending in with scenery here? Because a PA uh-huh. is almost a job where it's like, the better you are, the less people notice you. Yeah. Like, if they're well, not coming in I, to, to, to a... Go ahead, Goldie.
1: I have strong opinions about this, because, you know, I was a, I was a page at NBC, and um, I worked at Saturday Night Live at the desk in front of Studio 8H, yeah. you know, which is pretty much, it, it's a PA position. There's a little, like, glamour to it in that you're interacting with the stars, but you're really everyone's assistant. You're... Yeah you work for everyone and no one works for you and you know they're not looking around saying we need to find comedic talent are any of those people who wear blazers and bring me coffee funny yeah like, it's, <laughs> right. a, it's, a, it's a difficult thing because it's it's a double edged sword because the instant you get in you're in like you've you've made the nba essentially yeah. you, right you know you're not some dreamer off in oregon you're a person in la inside the show yes. but then the curse is that everyone sees you in the role you are and not what you could be. And it's not their job really to look at your potential. And in fact, you're competing with them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I found it, I mean, I had to leave Saturday night live. Like I made things happen for me totally apart from my role as a, as a page and and that it can happen that way or it doesn't have to happen that way. But the problem is if you're, too good at being a PA, people think, well, we can't lose, you know, him or her They're because they're too essential as a PA and you can almost overperform to such an extent that you become invaluable and they'll refuse to see you in the role in which you want to be seen because you're too good at this thing that you don't care about. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's sort of a catch 22 there. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But so Jordan, you, you were able to take that next step. And you were also a good assistant for Rich. And I think people recognize that. And then that enabled you to become a writer's assistant, which is a coveted job, uh, you know, on any show. If you want to be a writer, to become a writer's assistant on a show is, is a great thing. Now, as it happens, you don't want to be a comedy writer. So I think in a way that makes our relationship even better because we don't sit there thinking, Oh boy, like he wants something from us Yeah, and now it's season two or season three and we are getting guilted and shamed into making some (laughs) kind of final decision about Jordan ramp. And we're not being bombarded with spec scripts. You were, you were very kind, you know, and, and, and uh, gracious in sending me, your spec script and, and very you know appropriately asking you know you ask the right way you were not the the right. things that you fear in your head about how that is how that process goes you were not that way so right. it's one thing if if you come in the door and in week two you're like hey here my, here's this spec script if you don't like that one here's another one you <laughs> waited you played the long game yeah you waited years <laughs> and did then wait. Said, too long maybe <laughs> well no I don't I don't think so. Because you've had some nibbles off of that script already. I know this. And we don't have to get into specifics with this, but I know that there are people out there who are considering you because of this spec script. Um, I instantly, of course, sent it to my uh, agent's because I thought it was so great, wow. and of course, agents being agents, they were like they didn't see a way to instantly make money off of you. So they're like, "Yeah, we, I don't know, we're not taking new clients." It was just bullshit and <laughs> short sighted, and I think they're going to regret that one day. <laughs> yep. But uh, so you wrote this fantastic spec script. Take us a little bit into your process uh, as a writer, because you wrote uh, again. It's like a it was sort of like a neo western, and what what pulled you to that kind of writing
4: uh well first of all just that thank you for all those kind words alec (laughs) and i have found that writers here are more receptive to reading my work because they don't fear an an ulterior motive behind it and so uh you know i've been able to benefit from that and um but my writing process you know i think that whether you're starting out or you're trying to get your own show or get staffed on a show our job basically comes down to you know your script being picked out of a pile on a desk whether it's a the desk is uh, it's a agent's desk or it's a showrunner's desk or it's at the studio and so you know the first thing is always to try to make it different and so in the case of that i thought that the circus was was in an arena that hadn't been explored before and so i thought that you know immediately when people are, are only reading the first five pages out of the 50 scripts that they have the only way that they're going to continue with mine is if the five pages are really good and if it's something that is is different than they've been reading all day. Yep. Know?
2: That's another thing we talk and about so, all the time, make make the beginning of your script stand out, make it interesting, make it different. If you're writing for comedy, make it really funny. If you're writing drama, as you said, put it in a setting that that people are are interested in and that they haven't they don't feel has been thoroughly mined. So you did that.
4: Yeah, and then You know, the next thing is that I guess I'm at the age right now where I feel like myself and my peers are are getting to the point where we're either trying to prolong our childhood or reclaim it. And I felt (laughs) like that was uh, a a strong theme that could carry me through the script. And so that's kind of where I started from. And you build out the characters and imbue in them that same philosophy. And it felt like uh, a small fledgling circus that was being operated by people who were all either trying to prolong their childhood or reclaim it and they were so honed in on their past that they were jeopardizing their future felt like a strong wow theme and something that i could build around and so very sophisticated that's how it began and and then um and then you know there's this new thing in hollywood that people tell you where you want to make scripts about yourself you want to make it personal which i had never thought of i had thought i have an eclectic Uh, Interests Like, you know, I kind of like sports. I'll write about that. But they really want you to show yourself through the script. And so I created this character of Jay, whose foray into the circus kind of mirrored my own experience in Hollywood, I guess, where you show up into this brand new world. You don't know anyone and you have this dumb, naive belief that you're going to make it, but you're not sure how you're going to do it. Right. And there's even there's even a, a line in the script that was my first, the first TV writer I ever spoke to. I asked him, you know, how do I get into this? And he told me, if you can do anything else, I'd go do that. <laughs> was it was it Goldie?
2: Was it Goldie you talked to?
4: Because <laughs>
2: that sounds like a Goldie right there.
4: It was in college. You know, I had to call my parents and they asked how the, the call with the TV writer went. And I told them that was the report back was oh. <laughs> offer that I pursued other oh. careers. But so... I think when people ask about my script, therefore I have something where I can talk about my own experience in Hollywood and figuring out the world and, uh, right. You know, figuring out the taboos and, and the rules and your place within the world, because it's a very, it can be a, an isolating place when you're coming in from Oregon and know one person very tenuously. Yeah.
1: Be in an isolating place when you know three hundred people. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. The more really people the matter yeah. how many yeah. people you
2: know. The more people you know, the more alone you feel it can be out here. Um, how how did you develop because you have such a and it comes across in your script, you have such a clear love and respect for words even your, I noted your, your stage directions were artfully written, you know, and, and we say on this podcast, like, don't overdo the stage directions. And those are the boring things. We don't, we don't really want to read that. But in a drama, when your stage direct in your stage directions were not indulgent, they were not like, you know, giant paragraphs, but they were filled with words that I thought as I was reading them, I'm like, Jesus, he's not even fucking saving these great words for the dialogue. They're here in the stage direction. So were you? did you grow up an avid reader? Were your parents uh, in, in education? Like, How did you develop this love
4: of language? Both my parents worked at a high school. My dad taught algebra. My mom was the attendance secretary. Okay. So I couldn't miss school, nor could I like, fail a math test. Right. But, um, I was an avid reader growing up. And then I reached high school and was like on the football team and was head was friends with like all these meathead guys who convinced me that reading was lame. Yeah, and so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that'll happen. I kind of yeah I kind of hid that love for like eight years and have really started to get back into it. You know that's a tricky balance because you're right you don't want the scene directions to be too indulgent, especially in the very beginning of it. Right. I've read scripts that I have just read my rolled my eyes because I'm like this person is just. Going through the thesaurus and looking at like uh, a very esoteric (laughs) word that that you think (laughs) is going to fit here, so it's a tricky thing, you know. um, That people I think don't condone you to do, but uh, I've always had the thought that like this is my one chance, and this is kind of my artistic imprint that I'm going to leave here. So I want to, I you know, this is my article and my resume, and so if I'm going to submit it for something, I want to do the best job possible, and so. Wow. Well
2: you did you certainly did that and it's funny you you, you brought up the meatheads uh, you know pressuring you and and peer pressuring you and telling you that that reading was stupid and it brings to mind our writer uh, Danny Smith who has you know a hundred stories about growing up but one of them was that he worked for a time uh, in construction and mm-hmm. one day during his lunch break he was reading a book a, I'll do air quotes, a book, and, and the book was uh, Sniglets. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> se- heard of those, that. but they're like little wordplay cartoony kind of things that this uh, SNL guy Rich Hall put out, and it's uh-huh. sort of like, it's like wordplay. It's like almost like the far side. It's it's like a cartoon. And he so he's leafing through this at lunchtime, and he said that the other construction <laughs> workers would see him and go, hey, look at Shakespeare over there because like, he was reading a goddamn Sniglitz book. So the, I guess the lesson there is just, you know, stick with your love of words because if you want to be a writer, having a love of words is not a bad thing. It's certainly worked out for Danny Smith and uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I have to believe it's it's going to work out for you eventually, even though you're sitting in this moment now where you're feeling like kind of frustrated by the whole process. I'm sure as years go by, you're like, why aren't I on staff yet? So what what do you think like do you sort of obviously you try to map out what you want to do and how you want to do it and the people you want to approach like what what would be your ultimate goal in this business would it be to run your own show would you just like to be someone who helps out on a staff like what, what do you think if you could could do whatever you wanted what would it be.
4: Uh, well, my first goal is to get out of this twenty square foot uh, office that I'm in right now. <laughs> it somehow <laughs> contains three desks. Yep. Uh, uh, uh,
2: in, in co in COVID.
4: <laughs> right. <Yes. laughs> uh, no, yeah, I would. I'd like to. I sort of have people ask like, what shows I'd like to write for. I kind of have a Mount Rushmore of Noah Hawley and Matthew Weiner and and Taylor Sheridan. uh yeah. These guys that I greatly admire that are are like sort of Western writers, and that you know I'd like to work for one day. Ultimately, you know, I'd like to run my own show. And I actually, one of the cool things about being a PA at Family Guy is that you get to interact with every department. And so you kind of get to see how post-production is done and like what goes into the voice recordings and what goes into what the artists are doing. And so I've really grown an appreciation for the entire process. Yeah. And Rich was very, very cool about this when I was his assistant too, letting me sit down and record. It's like, I really like the entire filmmaking process and like watching you guys direct things and make cuts and go to the mixes and those sorts of things. And, um, so ideally, you know, I'd like to do that yeah one day where I have my own show and, and, um, and work I'm, my I'm, way ass- up.
2: I'm assuming yeah. that your own show you picture as a live action show. And would you also picture that as something that has Western themes or would you picture that show as kind of whatever dramatic thing you're feeling in the moment? Or do you have a goal of like, it has to be kind of Western based?
4: You know, I've sort of gravitated towards period pieces, I think because it's almost like easier in my head to conceive of the characters as actual characters as as opposed to be it like documentary style. Uh, It's really difficult contemporary dialogue is very tricky to get right. Like watching Euphoria, there's like cringeworthy uh, dialogue sometimes. In it. And so it's right. like a lot of the things like I've written, you know, an adaptation of The Natural. I've written something that took place mm. in the 80s. I've written some World War One, And so it's like it's almost easier for me to conceive of them as like uh, characters on a stage um, rather than trying to listen to the, the dialogue of my friends and trying to mimic that.
1: Right. I'm going to give you some tough love here. No one will pay for that. I've been down this road.
2: With, but but Goldie, I feel like you're always the one beating the drum of like cell phones ruined everything. And they so, do, but the yeah.
1: fact is, is that you you want to do a period piece like, you know, making history the the first day I ran into it. It's like, we're not paying for that. Right. Oh. So if you can find a way to do it cheaply where you're like, not seeing you know multiple horse and buggies and you know combat or whatever i'm I'm not saying like a sample is a sample and good writing good writing so it doesn't matter but i i will say that like it becomes i you know i i pitched something that was in the future that people like and they were you know it just came in like well where would we shoot this and it's like well you know ireland (laughs) like (laughs) no so i i will just caution people that you know, as, as difficult as it is. I mean, the thing, it may be difficult to do contemporary dialogue, but the fact is, is that you happen to be young and would know how to do it, whereas I wouldn't. Yeah. So I would i would say that's a significant advantage you're potentially throwing away at a time where, you know, your your time and being able to do that is inherently limited by your age. And I would say, like, maybe take a second look at that as an area where, where you maybe bend what your preconceptions a little bit because...
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's unquestionably good advice because you're right that the advantage of age, you know, you should really press that advantage. But on the other side, I do see an advantage to sort of being the young person who's perceived as the old soul. And I also do think that you're sending a lot of these scripts to people who are older, Yes. And it, it can be a crapshoot, you know. Sometimes, uh, like you say, Jordan, with with Euphoria, which is which is a great show. But yes, there are uh, moments in the dialogue where they're not getting the youth talk, you know, youth speak yeah. right. But an older executive or somebody who's in charge of that show is not going to know that. They're just going to think like this is young and I like it and it needs to be for the young people. But there may also be a niche of kind of being this person who comes up, who can, who can harken back to a simpler time.
1: Well, now let me, having heard that. Yes. My, my county debating skills. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. I knew it. The executives themselves are older. The people who work in the studio are older. The people on the network side tend to be older. And to maintain their relevancy, they want to hook into younger ideas and not older ones
2: Can't argue so that about. in
1: writing like a 1980s period drama if someone goes to their boss with that the subtext of them pitching that is i'm old and i like this yeah. as <laughs> right. opposed to like i'm young and i like this right so you know i i don't think you should think economically about your career i think obviously you should follow your passion right where you're good at right within your heart but you know i i, I also think that to cavalierly kind of dismiss something because you say you know oh I, that even though i could do it you know i might do this other thing it's like yeah you you know you might be really good at making grandfather clocks but yeah. the fact is if you can also make a nice smartwatch, that might help you move into a house
2: yes I cannot argue with yeah. that. You just you just won the county uh, debate <laughs> competition. Thank it you. Itself. You can take you can take home the prize pig. <laughs> yeah. So Jordan, I, I'm I'm curious about like what are some of the frustrations? Other than the obvious frustration of I want to be hired on a staff and I have not yet been. What are some of the frustrations that come along with, you know, someone in your position? Uh, like, is there something you you feel like? you know, people aren't really reading it? Are they, or is it not getting into the right hands? Is it just your own fear and politeness that you feel like, oh God, I'm too, I'm too nice and I'm not really going for what I want. Like, what are, what are some of the things that keep you up at night as someone who wants to, to be on staff?
4: Uh, well, being too nice is probably part of it. And, and Goldie's also, he's correct in saying that, when people see period pieces, uh, the immediate reaction is it's too expensive. Yeah, and so as a you know, when you go forth to agents and they want to represent you, you know that the easiest path for them to make money quickly is to sell something. And uh, right. so it's. It, You're bringing something that's that's very expensive, but... Is it hard to
1: respect a boss who vapes all day?
2: (laughs) 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 Let's not not keep arguing. By the way, it's so funny that you bring that up because my dad finally, after a year of me vaping on this show, noticed... And he was like, are you smoking again? I said, no. He goes, are you vaping? I said, yes. He goes, that's smoking. (laughs) And then he he said, uh, does your mother know? And I said, yeah, but she's not as cool about this stuff as you
3: are. Oh, my God.
2: (laughs) That that shut it down right away. Wow
3: how did he know though uh, yeah that's that's
2: behind the curtain of my <laughs> life so to get back to you know some of the things that are like that you feel like either this is an unfair thing in the business right now or this is what is preventing me from from getting ahead or these are the things yeah. that people aren't seeing
4: well i think for a long time i need i neglected the networking portion of the business because i thought it was just my my writing's going to speak for myself mm, but yeah from what I've seen and heard is that there's a, uh, an emphasis placed on when staffing rooms, making sure there's not overlapping voices. Right. And so it goes back to the thing of, of coming with your individual point of view. And so it's not as simple as they're staffing for a room, they pick the 10 best scripts. You know, right. they want to make sure that they, they, they have everything from a unique point of view. And so, you know, uh, I guess I was uncomfortable networking and I, I didn't want to be yeah. seen as a used car salesman. And so yeah, I about really, right. really neglect. Yeah. I, I, I neglected that part of the the business. And I do think that I've seen myself f- fall behind just because other people have developed genuine relationships that I haven't done because I've sort of been a shrinking violet about it. And, um, and I know that there's a genuine way to develop relationships that isn't, like, a scummy way to do it.
2: Well, first of all, let me just say that you've developed genuine relationships at Family Guy. Granted, you want to be a drama writer, so that's not quite as helpful as, as necessarily it needs to be. But you've done that just by being yourself. You know, yeah. you're not the guy, the squeaky wheel, who's, like, banging on everyone's door and, like, read this, and I've changed this scene based on your notes, and read it again. So you're, you're doing those things, right. And, and I'll just go ahead and say, we have a, 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 co, a co-worker, a peer who we love, who's Chris Sheridan, who worked on Family Guy for years and years. He's a fantastic, funny writer. He ran the show for a while. And he now has his own show, which is very successful. I think they've been picked up for maybe season three. Uh, it's called Resident Alien. And it's on the sci-fi network. It's very good. It's got he's got a, a Alan Tudick oh, is the yeah. lead actor in that, and That's he's awesome. excellent. The, the show is is very cool. And I know you've developed a relationship. A two dick? <laughs> two yes. dick, you not not one. To, as I say, two dicks are better than one. He's very fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was a good interjection. <laughs> I like to say Alan Tudick's got another thing coming. Um
1: <laughs> but
5: uh,
0: With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: So you've developed this relationship with, with Sheridan, who is a very cool guy. And I feel like, in a way, you two are kindred spirits because— cool. You guys have a, a similar vibe to you, and he's very much that way. I don't think he necessarily plays the Hollywood game. You know, he's not a big used car salesman kind of guy who's out there selling himself all the time. But he has risen to uh, a level where you want to be one day, where he's running his own show, and he's been a, a very successful writer for, for a long time. And I feel like both of you are, are quite modest— you know, excellent writers. I think you you have a lot of that in common. I think your worldviews kind of line up, and and this is basically just a a lengthy way of pressuring Sheridan into putting you on the <laughs> staff. But he's, I know you have been a, in talks with him, and I know from talking to him myself that he really does want to help you with this, and that there are just other you know, political factors that go into picking up people at certain times and, you know, making sure, as you say, the staff is filled with diverse and different voices. And honestly, I feel like the longer that shows on the air, the more leeway he's going to have to do the things that he wants. So I, when, when I heard that you were talking with him, I felt like that was a very good connection for you. Um,
4: so is that how did you
2: get that relationship kick started?
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, that was the type of thing that, uh, well, he was consulting when, when he started here. Yes. And so again, that was the type of thing where I wanted to submit for a show in season two. And this is like a cautionary tale. It was a type of thing where I didn't want to get turned down for prom and then have to sit next to the girl in science class. So (laughs) (laughs) I waited too long before asking Chris about season two and they were already staffed. Yeah. And so, you know, it just it just goes to show that, like, without being annoying, I think that there's a way to do it where you're very clear about your intentions and you you can be more assertive about uh, being clear about what you want. And, you know, you're right. Chris is a very nice guy. And although I was too late for season two, we kept in touch. And at the start of the new year, you know, I got in touch with him about season three and he agreed um, to read my script even though that they were in production at the time. And so I got a call from him actually when they were in Vancouver shooting and he asked to read it. And so, you know, circumstances didn't allow me to write on on this newest season, but I think that he almost knew that going into it and still read my script nonetheless and was nice enough to call me and tell me what things he would change about it and what he liked about it. And so, awesome. you know, from, from you, Alec, from Chris, from Rich, one of the greatest gifts that you can give to a young writer is just letting them know that you believe in them because, you know, writers of, of every level are perpetually seeking validation, but particularly young writers were filled with misgivings and apprehensions wondering if we're good enough or if this was just a dumb dream to move out here. And if we, you know, this was all just, we threw the last years of our life down the drain, but to hear from you guys (laughs) and still in confidence us at times like that's the only coal that's going into the furnace. So I appreciate it.
2: Well, of course. And and by the way, you earned it. You would not be sitting on this podcast and I would not be going on at length about how great I thought your script was if I didn't think that it really was great. So um, every word of that is true. And and I think Goldie and I can relate to not being the squeaky wheel. You know, I I agree. Yeah, go ahead.
1: This is I've been sort of waiting for the moment to, to say this and i'm Jordan, I'm as much talking to you as i'm talking to myself as i'm talking to the audience yeah but i've found that if you wait until you feel comfortable to do something you've waited too long that you need to be comfortable with discomfort again i'm saying this to myself and that the reason you're uncomfortable is because you're doing something new. So if you just stick to doing what you do, what you do has gotten you to exactly where you are, which is not where you want to be. So to keep doing it is not going to work, right? I mean, that's, it's almost like a tautology. Yeah, that's that, math. You know, it's, it's like a, it's a logical proposition. So you, you will have to do things you haven't done. Intrinsically, those things are uncomfortable. So you, but you can get practice at being uncomfortable, just like you can get practice at at anything and so i've found that like the the times where i just kind of say fuck it and i i do something like there's a, a there's anxiety there's a thrilling nature to it but there's also a sort of like liberty and like well i'm gonna get an answer either way now and then i can plan from there and so you know i i i just think as as much as you can You know, I wouldn't say push the boundaries where you're comfortable because you're going to be uncomfortable, but just accept that as part of it and try to live with it. Uh, this
2: is where Jordan in, in the in the uh, interview you should have left there and gone and knocked on Goldie's office door <laughs> and handed him a script. Here you go, buddy. I didn't want to. I'm do in it.
1: Travis's office. <laughs> you can't even
2: find me. You can't. Hey, yeah. but by the way, how ironic is it that you're in Travis's office, his <gasps> Ooh, first guardian angel, and right. his new guardian angel, <laughs> Goldie? <laughs> uh, no, but Goldie, that's a great point, it's and really I and good something advice. I never learned. So you're talking to me. Too like I that's one of the things in my life, in all aspects of my life, I have difficulty, you know, choosing to be even slightly uncomfortable for for the briefest of times. You know, I'd much rather sit on the couch and watch a Law and Order yeah. that I've seen 10 times.
1: I mean, that- I like I'll say one of the things I have no doubt in my mind, I should not be doing stand up. How do I know? Because I pushed myself as far as I could in yeah. stand up. And, you know, because people lead you to believe, like, you just keep doing it, you just keep doing it, and then you win. And it's like, that's a nice story, but sometimes you lose, but at least you don't walk away with a feeling of, I never I never pushed it.
3: Yeah, I never tried. And I'll yeah. say
1: there is some satisfaction, and I don't look back with regret. I don't go, oh, my God, it didn't work out. I go, hey, man, I fucking tried. That was cool. A lot of people didn't do that. A lot of people wanted to do it, weren't able to do it. But I don't have to sit tormented by that.
2: Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, there's so, no so, looking. So Jordan, back. as a as a young farm boy emerging from the woods <laughs> of Oregon, just step you and the three other people that live up there. You're, you're leaving the commune <laughs> and coming down here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would continue to investigate the relationships you've already made. You know, the the people that with whom you feel comfortable, and then yeah. also step outside for some other people who maybe you uh you know but you haven't really broken that barrier of can you help me right. I, because i think you'd be surprised uh, especially around here about how many people would want to help you and i think that will also be true with people you meet outside of here because y- you are you know you're 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 just a very nice person like yeah. that comes across you know instantly when you when you whereas you know, I'll speak for myself and Goldie. We're not nice.
0: Uh, we're a that's little,
2: not true. We're, I mean, Goldie's Those a nice so guy. Nice. I'm a nice guy, but in some ways we're not. We're kind of assholes and we do comedy and we say nasty things all the time, all day. You're just not someone who wants to be doing that. You want to be on this other side of the writing world, which is the drama side, which as Goldie said earlier, I think that's incredibly smart. And I think that you have the knack for it because some people if they came to work here would say okay i'm going to try and shove this uh, square peg through the round hole and become a comedy writer right. because i'm here at yeah. family guy and this is where i'll pursue it all mm. and you wouldn't have really been happy it wouldn't have been what what you wanted to do um and it might not have been a great fit for you so i, I mean think, if, yeah. if
1: in, in drama can't you go your whole career just going and then they kiss <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I mean, and then you have a house, right? (laughs) That's easy enough. And then they kiss.
4: Well, I actually have a question for you guys built upon being a drama writer sitting in the comedy room. Every day I'm in awe of the jokes that come out of the room. Like, it's a blast. And I've always wanted to ask you guys, like, when we're pitching on an act two blow or something, both of you guys and all of our writers, I've witnessed pull something from the ether that I'm like, How the fuck did they arrive at that? (laughs) And so I'm just wondering, like, what is your guys' thought process? Like, could you talk me through? Because that's almost that's a muscle that just doesn't exist in me. It's like one that Maggie said she had to develop when she first started on on dad. So I'm just curious, like, what are you guys thinking about? Like, are there jokes that you have that you try to? Fit into a particular scenario, or what's well, the thought process?
2: Let me let me speak for Goldie for a second first, because Goldie, no one's better at this than Goldie. Like Goldie has, you know, three or five jokes before anyone's said anything on on we right. on, you know for an, an act two blow say. And Goldie, you have this, you know. I feel like I have a, a, in my mind a version of I won't call it a supercomputer. I'll call it a computer, a malfunctioning computer that just instantly goes to like, how can I twist this wordplay? Can I put this into something that I've already seen some familiar reference? Like, what can I, you know, that's how I sort of funnel my thought process. I've noticed with you, Goldie, you have this thing where you take a moment and you instantly do like the opposite of what's expected, which is like a great, you mm-hmm. know, it's like a great trick for, for joke writing and joke telling where you think you're going to hear one thing and you instantly hit them with the opposite. I can't remember. You did this just the other day to great effect. Like You you think you're, the character's going to say one thing and you twist it to be the opposite. So is is that something that you've noticed about yourself or is it just an unconscious process? Uh, I know? mean,
1: I appreciate you saying that. I I, I operate from a place of Dire panic at every moment. My brain is empty at all times. I think
3: I'll never have
1: something else. And then something will occur to me and I'll go, Will this allow me to go home and stop? And so I'll say it. And then another one will come up and I'll go, "Uh, This. I I, I really, there's no strategy at play. No, I'm not like bringing in things I think are funny from other places. It's like survival. Yeah. I, I honestly. Every, everything I say, I think that's the last one I'll ever have. I think all the best things I said 15 years ago. <laughs> well, I, think I feel that you each, each one is uniquely embarrassing and awful. Oh, right. wow. I, I, I really don't know. Like, Well, I, well it's interesting. Uh, so it's just intrinsic.
2: A, yeah, it, but it's interesting because you've said this many times, Goldie, where you feel like each joke is your last. But I will say that, and I, and you cannot deny this when we, we even when we were in a we were in a room together yesterday or the last you know few days and you we were in a room with it was like you me and Gary Janetti and Rich and and some other folks and you would pitch a joke and you're sitting near me so I could hear it and I'm laughing and I see you look at me and you see me laughing and so you start laughing like it's a it's <laughs> yeah. still like that good you process. need one
1: other person to buy in. It's it's sort of what you what you Jordan said about like you want anyone to express any confidence in you is like you know the second someone you have someone else on board, your brain flips to like okay maybe I can do this. Yeah, you know, and and so it's it's right. encouraging, you know. We're lucky we exist in a room where people aren't dicks, you know, because I've definitely been in rooms where it's the opposite, where everyone's going to sit with their arms folded no matter what happens. Right.
2: Oh, wow. And and sometimes people are self-serving. They don't want you to do well because it makes them look worse. So they, if they see you having success, they want to cross their arms. One of the great
1: things about growing old together in this room has been the loss of ego on everyone's part. And we, I've seen everyone's ego diminish in the night's way. My, and I think I include myself where i used to feel very competitive about it. like i want to be the one to get that. and now it's like hey someone got it great yes <laughs> like, That's happy for them happy for me yeah. you know and you know, like yeah. i like to laugh again i found I, I found in the last few years since i stopped show running and stopped having to be in charge like i do enjoy the humor of i'm starting to find the joy again in the humor of others yeah and not just all the negative bad emotions of envy and inferiority and that's a concern that that i am worse than they are like i can just go i don't have to evaluate where i am in relation to this person because to get in you have to be so competitive right yes like you know that you have to be so competitive but then what's best for your mental health and for the show is actually to not be competitive and to be collaborative but having gone competition, 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 it's a very hard to throw the switch and turn into the skid of collaboration once you're in and realize you're safe. Yep,
2: yep. Well, you oh, certainly, nice. as much as anyone, you are safe in, mm, in that I room uh, because you do such a great job. And Jordan, just some some final thoughts. I, and, and, and I will, I, again, I will address our audience here. This isn't a job fair. Podcast. But we we do he, I know, he
1: he does want you to move
2: something. Yes. Right. I, I, that, that, we'll get to that later, the exact items and what rooms they go in. But I know that out listening in this in, in our ether here, we have your David Goodmans, we have your Chris Sheridan's, we have your Jonathan Gabez, Lou Schneider, we have uh Shannon Ryan. And and by the way, thank you and Makos, thank you all for for continuing to listen to, to this podcast, but I'm, I'm here to tell you folks now that th- this guy we're talking to today, Jordan Ramp, he's going to be a, a professional writer in short order. And I think that, you know, anyone out there who wants to look like a genius by helping to make that happen, mm-hmm. I think you'd be doing a mitzvah. Yeah. And Jordan, Jordan, a, a, a mitzvah remember, like a we thing. did this for you. <laughs> yes, you that's all that's
1: the it's all about. guys who need one quarter left to get their health insurance yes. let them sit in the corner of the room pitching and then they kiss <laughs> and then release them into the wild.
2: and then they kiss i love that that's we might we may title the episode that um but jordan we want to say thank you for, yeah. for coming in uh yes. in short order for this Saving we really appreciate episode. you you uh spraying perfume on our stench from the football uh, <laughs> experiment and it's it really has been eye-opening and great to talk with you so i know you were um, a little nervous about doing it but you were fantastic
3: incredible
4: oh well thank you thank you alec and uh i mean thank you not only for having me on but for yeah i was getting to you i was getting yeah,
3: to you I guys do
4: each yeah go yeah Well, I love JC. She knows that. And Goldie, my gift to you is I'll never ask you to read something of mine. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, But no, like in the context of your life, reading a script and giving feedback and saying nice things is probably very, seems very insignificant, but it means the world to me. So thank you. Oh, oh, no. Man. Well, your script is fantastic. I Boys. think
2: the
1: Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, so <laughs> we, we we both agreed on that. that we said yeah. the Chiefs.
1: But let's not get back into that
2: because even <laughs> no. just mentioning that <laughs> it gives me shivers, flashbacks. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a great segment. And now we're going to go to a portion of the show that we like to call Top Five. Top Five. Yes, yeah, Soothing. Right. Top Five theme. Take us away. Um, All right, so this week's category, uh, which was mine, is uh, Top 5 Movies Starring a Guy Named Tom. Yeah. So I'm interested to hear your picks. Uh, Who wants to go first? Anyone? Uh, I'll go first. Okay, Okay. go ahead, JC.
3: So I will start with uh, number five.
2: Yeah, sure, let's (laughs) do that.
3: (laughs) Um, The Green Mile.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, a tier, it was a tearjerker for sure. Yeah.
3: I feel like I watch it if it's on it's just a nice thing. It's kind of light. It's just like a
2: light.
1: It's Does it end for with me? like a guy
2: like barfing light beams <laughs> yes, and death Okay. The part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like sadistic prison guards? <laughs> yes.
3: It's a really good point. It's about. It's not about death row. It's about death row. Yeah. Okay. Well, this one is even lighter. You then watch
1: I Am Sam to sort of (laughs) (laughs) mellow out. Yeah.
2: Children of Men just a woo relax.
3: Number four is even lighter. That that thing you do.
2: Oh, I love that. I thought about that one. I mean, God. That scene when their song first plays on the radio oh, it's is so, so awesome. This yes. is a great,
1: great, great scene.
3: Yes. Um, number three is Vanilla Sky.
1: Oh
3: good. wow! It's a weird
1: movie. I don't know that I, I, I like. Know. It was interesting. I don't yeah. know that I like it.
3: Yeah. I, I yeah. Hey, it. we
1: we have the best looking guy in the world. Let's make him warped.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's dope. melt
1: his face. <laughs> That must have been that must have been what they were saying at the studio when they were watching (laughs) the dailies. Yeah, (laughs) are we going to see Tom? Because we're paying for Tom Cruise, and you've given us the Phantom of the Opera. So like, what? It's funny.
2: I I watched an old movie on Turner Classic Movies uh, called Dark Passage. It's from the the forties. It's with Humphrey Bogart, and I I like Humphrey Bogart, so I was like, oh, I'll watch this. I haven't seen it, and the first. Almost more than half of the movie is just from Humphrey Bogart's POV. Oh, so you so don't like you're it. only seeing him see other people. And I'm like, give me fucking Humphrey Bogart. What are you doing? <laughs> so it's sort of like, let's not melt Tom Cruise like a candle. Right. <laughs> I will
1: say Empty Times Square is cool in that
2: movie. Very cool. And they use Very every cool. Everything in its Right Place by yes, Radiohead, which is a great, great moment, great moment there. Yes.
3: Um, number two is big.
2: Oh, you suckers.
3: I love that movie.
2: I know you do. You God. both do. You both do. <laughs> it's very sweet of you.
3: And my number one is Magnolia.
2: Wow. Our, I love how different our list is, but I did, I did love Magnolia. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's not on my list, but I, I liked it.
3: Okay,
1: cool. cool. next? I, I should go because I, I just have overlap. Oh, cool. Do it, so, do it. Yeah. Um, so number five, I have, uh, Toy Story 3. Oh, that was so so good. So sad. Well, I just, you know, Forky almost made me have a nervous breakdown. (laughs) That's four. Then Toy Story 4. There you go. Oh, then now you're way off. No. Okay.
0: Four. Okay.
1: And I think I've said on the podcast before that I I hate Andy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you you have. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Uh, 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 uh. (laughs) Uh Uh, Number four. No one else will have this, I guarantee. Jack Reacher. Ooh, oh, that makes sense for you. Just a, You're so funny. You love his name, uh, the that's, name. That's three miles away. I can walk there in 20 minutes. Oh, you walk a sub-seven-minute mile? <laughs> yeah. there, there, and also, there, there's a, one of the most incredible fight scenes in that movie where two people go to beat him up in a bathroom, and it's they just keep hitting each other and they knock each other out. But I always compare that to when you're in a notes meeting with uh, the studio and the network and that they just start fighting over what they think the show should be and you just sit back and you don't say anything. (laughs) Yeah, And then you're kind of like, so maybe we just do what's there? And they're both (laughs) so exhausted from fighting that they agree with it. Well, by
2: the way, you you can't skip over it because you had that great bit From that time about
1: Tom Cruise's character names. Well, yeah. I mean, because he played... Jack Reacher, and he played Stacy Jacks. (laughs) (laughs) There were like three in a row that just—it sounded like they're they're playing a joke on you, dude. They're making a joke about you and dicks. Uh, I know. They're naming your character something that sounds like jacking off. (laughs) I know. You're not. You're just
2: doing it. Well, then the thing is, we did a Family Guy bit. You might have been. You probably pitched it. If not, it was based on your thing where we had like Tom Cruise doing a cutaway and it was like my next film I play Major Dixon Butts you know and like all that
1: kind of, it was just so funny uh number 3 and I I know it's a movie you like but I doubt you have it on your list The Firm
3: Oh yeah that's a good one We
1: have overlap Ooh. yes <laughs> that's, yes that's exciting um and then number 2 I I mean it's just J.C.'s list flip-flop. I have Magnolia at Ooh, two. Wow. Nice. And then I, you know I love Big, so yes. I have yeah. that at one. Wow. 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 Okay.
2: <laughs> All right. I'm going in here. A little a little worse for wear, but I'm going in. Number five, and I swear to you this is absolutely true. After you watch it, let me know. Top Gun Maverick. Uh... I could not believe how much I enjoyed this movie. It is fist-pumping, as Danny Smith might
0: say. Yeah. Yeah, I got goosebumps just thinking about
2: it. <laughs> the uh, the goosebump level in this movie is is higher than any movie I can remember. It perfectly taps yeah. into the first Top Gun, which I will add, I didn't absolutely love the first Top about Gun. It. I kind not care about it. I was sort of on the fence of not caring and, li- and really liking. So it was somewhere in between there.
1: When they uh, buzzed the tower, I yeah. didn't like it.
2: <laughs> yeah! Like, wow.
1: Don't do that. <laughs> don't buzz the tower. Don't break rattle the rules. everyone's nerves. Don't break the rules. <laughs> yeah, we
2: we have got warships here. You don't play pranks. Stop! Uh, don't grab the mic in a
1: bar. Like everything you're doing is obnoxious. I hate so, you. They're good Top callbacks Gun, to that.
2: Top Gun Maverick All right. is uh, is. I'm telling you, I I liked it so much more than the first one. And I I think you'll really enjoy it. And once again, we stick it to that unnamed enemy. Like in Top (laughs) Gun in both movies, it's (laughs) like that, ooh, that rascal enemy (laughs) that lives in a terrain that I can't quite recognize. That's also a market
1: that we want to watch this movie. Exactly. We're not
2: going to say China because a lot of people live there. We've gotten so... I know, soft.
1: Swuffed,
3: yeah. <laughs> um,
2: and, and number four, I'm just going to go a Ridge, Toy Story. All right. I, I, you know, Toy Story yeah. is just great. Started it all. Number three, I, a little surprised this wasn't on either of your lists, Risky Business. Hmm. Oh my God, I love that movie. I've seen it so many times, I think it's fantastic. I think Tom Cruise is the greatest movie star of all time. Oh, he's great. Yeah. I'm yeah. just trying
1: to think Risky Business, why I don't. I just don't feel, I don't think about it ever.
2: Yeah. Well, it was, it was, you tend to like shun things that are like about popular kids in high school. Yeah. Kind of like, like, "Mm. fuck you. Yeah. Like That mm, makes sense though. Yeah. I wish the egg broke. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it did. cut- kind of, it. Cracked. There was oh, a crack just, in the. Spoiler air. alert. Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Forty years later, um, number two for me, Goldie is the firm. Boy, oh, I love oh, that movie. That's great. I love that movie. There's, it's so watchable, and and I think he's again a fantastic movie star. And
1: I, you know, one of my favorite things in that movie is that um, Gene Hackman keeps inviting Tom Cruise's wife to the Virgin islands. And he keeps saying like, let me show you my Virgin islands. And, yeah. You know, like he's some like master of like the hidden Hills and dales. yeah. yeah. But, you know, like I'm a human lonely planet guy. Yeah. The so then right. finally she agrees to meet him in the Virgin islands and shows up and he takes her to a bar at a hyatt <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was like when our when our friend uh, kevin biggins took
2: a a, a, there a group of people went to chicago from family guy and biggins is from chicago and it was sort of like the promise of let me show you my chicago yeah. and he took yeah. he took them to like a pizzeria uno you know it was no. like, <laughs> yeah there was some ridiculous thing like that where everybody was like really uh, yeah. I found that hilarious too. Oh, and by the way, it wasn't uh the Virgin Islands it, because this always sets up one of my worst. Turk puns. was it Turks and no, Caicos? No. One of my worst best puns uh ever is they go to the Caymans, which to my response is came my ass. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Wait,
3: that was in a family guy, wasn't it?
1: Yes. Oh yeah. One, yep. of, one of my favorite uh jokes, it's not even a joke, but if it comes up, uh, Turks, but not Caicos. <laughs> <laughs> like, why do we just assume that they want to be bunched together all nope. the time? Caicos are going out on their I'm own. I'm just going to Caicos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, get me to Caicos. Uh,
2: and number one on my list, my God, In it, by so many measures, I feel like this might be the best movie of all time, Forrest Gump.
4: Number oh, one.
2: Wow. I, the best movie of all time. I think, I think it's, the, uh, I'm, you know how people say four quadrant movies? And obviously yeah. a quadrant uh, denotes four. But I'm going to say it's a 10 quadrant movie. And I'll tell you why. It's men, women. It's uh, young, old. It's black, white. It's Republican, Democrat. It's gay, straight. Like, everybody
1: loves that movie, and I love it. What's not to love? It's like the best buffet ever. I've never watched it again after seeing it the first time, but <sighs> I was pretty blown away when I saw it the first time.
2: I fucking love that movie, and it never for, fails to produce a Tia, a laugh and yeah. Tia from this guy.
3: Oh.
1: So I, I heard that, that uh, During the, the screening of it, you know, because Tom, uh, Tom Hanks, excuse me, was doing such an odd voice and such a, You know, at the time, it was a bizarre choice for him to do the character like that, that Robert Zemeckis ran off with the comment cards from the screening and wouldn't let the studio read them. Because I think people were like, what the fuck? (laughs) 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 And it's funny, I I heard it because I'm obsessed with the movie
2: that Tom Hanks based his voice on what the little kid Forrest Gump did. So like the little they filmed it sequentially and the little kid Forrest Gump did his parts first and he was doing that voice. My name's Forrest Forrest Gump. And like so then Tom Hanks was like, I'm gonna model my voice on that kid.
1: So God, that's like, you know, when you play blackjack and you're just splitting sevens and you just and you're just like, I don't I don't wanna have seven hands (laughs) on the table, each showing a seven. Yeah. And, like, I know what the book says, but this <laughs> feels like it's going to be wrong. Like, that voice, I mean, if I were watching that yes. with no music and no effects yeah. and stuff, I'd be like, this seems like we're they're going to laugh at us. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Un- well, unfortunately, I have to say, I just started watching uh, Elvis on oh, wow. HBO. Yeah. And uh, whatever voice Tom Hanks is doing in that is awful. Oh, God, I-, I don't... I'd, it was like he made Colonel Tom Parker sound like he was a, a first generation immigrant from like Lithuania or something. <laughs>
5: Weird.
3: It
2: was it's a very strange choice. But anyway, the <laughs> the the great toms, those are great lists. Thank you. Thank you guys, thank you, thank Toms, you. for those excellent movies. Yes. Um all right, so what do we have uh next week, Jason?
3: okay, so next week is Top Five TV Dads. Oh. In honor of your show, dads. <laughs> oh my
2: God! You, how dare you? No,
3: that, I just made that up. You cheeky yeah. Craig Ferguson
2: is a cheeky rascal. <laughs> so are you. <laughs> <laughs> so are you. All right, top five TV dads. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, that was fun, and yep. uh, now let's end the show like we do every week on a high note. Whoa. <laughs> Thank you, Tom and Max. Um, all right, a high note. I I had one and it was funny, there were I felt like usually I sort of struggle for a high note, and this week it felt like were there were a bunch of candidates. Like I was thinking of Serena Williams mm-hmm. and, and you know, talking about her and but I ultimately landed on Dawn Staley. Okay, do you know who Dawn Staley is? Dawn Staley is like one of the best women basketball no, players Dawn of all Tinsley. time. I was thinking Don the same thing. Tinsley. Tinsley. Yes, no. So Don Staley was a fantastic player in her own right. Uh, you know, won championships uh, at all levels uh, that she played. And now she is the coach of South Carolina, the women's basketball team there. And they won uh, the NCAA tournament maybe even last year. Like they're great now. And she's a great coach. And so maybe you heard this story from a couple weeks ago now where the Duke basketball team was, uh, I'm sorry, the Duke women's volleyball team was playing at BYU in Utah and there were racist Uh, Utah fans in the crowd and they would not stop, you know, hurling racial epithets at these women on the Duke uh, volleyball team and nobody called them out. Nobody on either side, like no adults in the room stepped up. And right. Oh, said, weird high note, buddy. Yeah. No, but wait, we're, <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting to the high note part. So Don Staley, who is a basketball coach at another school that is not Duke. And listen, Duke makes no friends uh, around, yeah. around the world. Like they're, they're sort of the top of the mountain and everybody wants to knock them off. But Don Staley said, fuck you, BYU. We're they're scheduled to play them this season. She said, We're not going, we're not going to play. So that takes money away from the state of Utah yeah. and from BYU. It takes concession, it takes wow. ticket sales, it takes a lot of money out of their pocket when the number one women's team in the country says, You know what, we're just not going to go there. Wow. And I loved her for doing that because not only was it the right move in terms of like, I don't want to put my players in that situation. Yeah. I don't want to put myself in that situation. It's also saying I am going to penalize you for doing that. Yeah. So my, my high note is Don Staley really standing up. And, and that's really, I mean, the definition of a baller move. Totally. So way you to know. go, Don.
3: Nice. It's a nice high note.
1: We got there. <laughs> yeah, we
3: have eventually. Um, Goldie, is it okay if I go?
1: Sure.
3: Um, okay, so Thank God. <laughs> my God. I know my, <laughs> mine is it's tennis related. It's a yes, shocker. Of it's um, U.S. Open. Francis Tiafoe, Ameri- an yes. American tennis player, he beat Rafa Nadal, and today Rublev. He beat Rublev like straight sets. He's the first black tennis player to make the men's semifinal since arthur ash in 1972 Ooh. and the story about tfo is that his parents they immigrated from sierra leone his father got a job as a custodian at this tennis facility and they noticed that this kid francis and his twin brother were natural tennis players. So they yeah. paid for everything for these kids to play. And Francis obviously excelled. And right now he's obviously in the semifinals of the uh, U.S. Open. And they had this shot of him hugging his twin brother. And I was just sobbing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a really That's beautiful nice. story.
2: It's great. And by the time uh, you're listening to this, we'll know if he won or not. Yeah. Yeah, and that's true. So we're rooting for you. We're yes. rooting for you. Maybe Go next
1: week it. we do tennis predictions. Oh, based on this, <laughs> no way. I would literally
3: be talking the whole time. We well, got like, yes. another thing.
1: <laughs> I, like uh, that. I, I admire your your elevated social consciousness, <laughs> and uh, I just want to say I love House of Dragons. Oh, yeah? Oh, do you? I love it. Yes, I think it's great. I love okay. it. I Is- love it. Can I tell you something? <laughs> I love it. Yes. And, and what made it for me was I was watching it with my dog, Lloyd, oh, the pug. Yeah. And there was a pug in the show. Oh, yes. Sick. And that I was able to show Lloyd, see, great things are possible for you. You don't just have to be a dog in my house. You could be on a successful TV show. And the thing was that they just had the pug sort of like eat something off someone's plate and it you know because I got Lloyd as a rescue and he had two years where he wasn't in my house and I was like it really looked like him and I was like is it it possible (laughs) That was Lloyd. I mean, maybe. Uh, and that maybe. he was in this show before <laughs> yeah. I got him. I never told you. <laughs> well, how <laughs> would he? <laughs> but I think the show is great, and it has, and it had a pug in one episode. Wow. So. Yes. I said
3: I to Stu, because uh, when, when Maggie was on, you were like, everyone on this uh, Zoom has a pug except for JC. And like that week I turned to Stu and I was like, should we get a pug?
1: Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, you should. I'm going to start sending so you pugs. Cute. I mean, we... Because yeah. all I do is it's it's like... I, pug you know, life. I call Petfinder Tinder for married people. <laughs> <laughs> I just scroll Petfinder, and I'm like, this looks, this looks like a oh, we can red. get yeah. this down. Yeah. If you see a bug, <laughs>
3: send it. I'll still could be persuaded. Uh,
2: all right, so, those were those were great high notes. And guys, oh my God, are we excited for next week? We have, oh, no offense to all the other writers <laughs> who have been here, but we have by far the most important writer who's ever been here. <laughs> I'm nervous already. Uh, I'm sweaty to be in the presence of this many Emmys. Steve Levitan is going to be Uh. here next week. So that is just thrilling for us. Of course, he's from Feels like
1: a prank. Nope. (laughs) But when he shows, I'll hand it to you. Yeah. yeah.
2: And, and yeah. you'll find out in the episode why he agreed to do it. The the uh, emotional yes. manipulation we <laughs> use to get him here. <laughs> uh, Steve, of course, just to run through it. Frasier. I mean, he, I believe, created and ran Modern Family. Yes. Just with shoot me. Lloyd, yeah. yeah. With uh, Christopher Lloyd. Exactly. Yeah. So. He's a uh, writer royalty. Um, I think one and a half writers in the world are even known, and he's the half. So yeah. we're excited to have yeah. him here. So tune in next week for that. Um, all right. That was great. Another week in the books. <laughs> and uh, I want to thank you two for being awesome. Thank you all thank for you. listening. And we will talk to you again next week. <laughs>
1: Ugh, next week. Chemical, chemical, <laughs>
4: disgusting, 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 disgusting display.
1: That
0: was fun.
4: And it stops right now.
1: Got in Philadelphia, Diana DeGuacamo and Michael Santucci.